I am recording from here. Here is where things start. Hello and welcome to Hidden Among Us. I'm your host, Chris. And I'm Honda. And welcome to episode 33. Which is going to be very interesting. I'm kind of excited about it. Honda, are you excited? Sure, but you say interesting for all your cases, so. <laughs> okay, so like, last night I texted Honda at like, what time did I text you? It was almost like 1am, 2 I don't know. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. At a very obscure hour at night, and I was like, hi Honda, um, my story is like, seven pages and then a few minutes later i was like i'm sorry um it's actually nine pages long (laughs) (laughs) but honestly this story is very interesting which honda also called me out on because i say that every week which is also true (laughs) um well honda so Mm -hmm. this week a lot of interesting things have happened i only can think of one which is the inauguration. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it was just, it was just yesterday, right? Oh my god, yeah. yeah. Honestly, eh? actually, no. It's like morning. It was like twelve a.m. It was at the obscure a- hour. It ended, it ended at one a.m. near two a.m. Yeah, I mean, it was at the obscure hour. I texted you saying that like my story is like nine pages long. Yeah. <laughs> And then, like, a few minutes later, like, Channel News Asia was like, oh, breaking news, Joe Biden has been sworn in. And then I went on Twitter and everyone was talking about the poetry girl. Mm-hmm. Who, by the way, is so gorgeous. She's so pretty. Like, that yellow chef's kiss. And the red headband in her hair was also a nice touch. Yeah, it was. Like, also, um, another person who had a great outfit was actually Michelle Obama. Uh, that one was like she looks so powerful. <laughs> yeah, honestly, that that color, that what color would that be? F- f- magenta, fuchsia. I feel no, like it's, it's not fuchsia. It's I feel like it's more magenta because it's a bit more. It's like pink. a reddish purple. Yeah, it's a bit more like pinky ready. Yeah, that color against the skin tone was just so beautiful. I was like, wow, the power. Mm. Biden's granddaughters also was like the outfit was like one solid color. Was she was she the girl in blue? Huh? I don't know. No. There's, there's a whole bunch of like people like women in like like monochrome colors. Like they were just wearing a standard like one color and yeah, they, one of the granddaughters was wearing all white. Then the other one was like wearing a nudie bronzy color. Mm. Yeah, even their masks was like matched the same color, so they look nice. Yeah. Also, um, everyone is memeing Bernie Sanders. It's so cute. <laughs> he's so cute. He's just the mittens. He, yeah, he's just he's literally just an old man. No, he's stopping by like halfway for the inauguration on the way to the post office. Yeah. <laughs> he's holding a Manila envelope. <laughs> Why are you holding an envelope? <laughs> and like he's the only one who's like wearing like cat. It's not, probably not casual wear, but it looks like, you know, like everyday wear, not like ceremony wear. He's very yeah. practical looking. Yeah, well, yeah. 
I mean, <laughs> also there was the whole uh, Bill Clinton like asleep. Do you see the meme where he's like, it's a Squidward meme where he's like, Squidward with the eyes closed, Bill Clinton speech, <laughs> then Squidward the eyes open, and it's like Jello's performance, and it was like. <laughs> <laughs> Bill Clinton, man. Oh my god. I mean, okay, so I sound like I I'm super invested in American politics, but like honestly, I I'm not. I ju- I'm just here for the memes. <laughs> okay, Honda is the one that is like knowledgeable about what's going on. Like the entire um camp- campaign. Is that what it's called? When they were campaigning. Race. Yeah, it's a presidential race. I I was like, no. I'm not going to pay attention <laughs> to this because the last time I did was when Donald Trump was like running for president and it was so stressful and I hated it so much and I still remember the day um he he like won presidency I was studying for like a history paper wait wait where were you at home is it I was at home and uh, then like he won and I was like what the shit they re-elected this guy I was in Starbucks and then like I was watching it on my laptop and then like They said Joe, uh, Trump, Donald Trump is projected to be the 45th president. I was just like in Starbucks, like my hands uh, in my face. I'm just like, oh, what the hell? Oh my god, yeah, it was just oh dear god. You see, the thing is, right? We don't have that kind of like anxiety surrounding like our president, <laughs> you know, because like our presidential campaigns are so tame in comparison. I mean- <laughs> Presidents in Singapore are mostly ceremonial. They yeah, they are. It's yeah. a prime minister that you know has it's the. More... It's like the British system, you know. Yeah, it's like the British system. So there's that. So right now we're going to jump into the story because um this story is long, like really long. Honda, you ready? Wait, I need to get my blanket. What? <laughs> <laughs> Honda be like, I need moral support. Okay. Shoot. So, I have never heard of this guy before, but like, um, recently Oxygen, they did like a like a little documentary on him, and. Mm-hmm. I remember watching the trailer for it and it was like, wow, holy shit, this is crazy. So I didn't watch the documentary, (laughs) (laughs) right? But I researched the guy and I was like, wow, because um, this story is really, it's got everything, okay? It's got like murder, it's got cannibalism, it's got kidnapping. (laughs) <laughs> it's like uh, that other story you said. What was the name of the guy? The Brookhart kidnapping. Ah. Ah. Except um, that one had like ransom and stuff. But this one, this one has cannibalism. This one is kidnapping. It's got murder. It's got. It's just out there, wild. But you've never heard of the person, so is it? Yeah, I didn't hear about. It. I never knew about this guy. But he. Hmm. But dang, if you hear the crime, you're like, interesting. Oh my god, I just heard something fall outside. <laughs> I got hired it. So. Oh my god. Okay, so I'm going to jump right into it. So, this is the story 
of Gary Heidnik. But in all truth, this is actually the survival story of some of his victims. Mm. Yeah. So on November 26, 1986, 25-year-old Josefina Rivera left the house in a fit after having an argument with her boyfriend. Josefina worked as a sex worker and so stood along the streets in hopes of picking up a client. It was cold. She describes it as like it being like drizzly and cold. But mm. she continued to wait in hopes of finding someone. And all Josefina wanted was to earn some extra cash so that she could have a Thanksgiving dinner with her family. So Josefina mm. was 25, but she had three children by then as well. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's getting late and... Josefina almost gave up when suddenly a silver and white Cadillac Coupe de Ville <laughs> pulls up in front of her. Okay, I don't know if, I don't know how to pronounce it. I'm not French. Wee oui, wee. Oui. So the driver asks her, so the driver asks her if she was hustling. And when she says yes, he invites her into the car. So the driver tells her that he would be taking her back to this pl- to, to his place. And Josefina basically says that she never does this. Like she never goes back to a client's house. Like usually they go to like motels and stuff, but she never goes back. But on that day, she made an exception. And mm. this was an exception that would forever change her life. Mm. So the man in the car was Gary Michael Heidnick. Heidnik was born on November 22nd, 1943 in East Lake, Cleveland, Ohio. His parents divorced in 1946, after which he was after which he and his younger brother um, went to live with their mother for four years before they were sent to live with his father. So Heidnik claimed that his father was emotionally abusive and it didn't help that Heidnik had a history of bedwetting. So what his father used to do was um, he would take the the soiled sheets and he would like hang it up for all the neighbors to see in like an attempt to like shame his son. Uh, mm. A plus parenting right there. <laughs> um, wow, public shaming. <laughs> public shaming, but also like the bit wetting thing is something that's like hmm. You should remember that because like a lot of um, psychopaths sometimes have a history of bedwetting as children dun 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 Mm. so his home life wasn't that great but his um, school life wasn't as great either (laughs) so he was a loner and was constantly teased for the odd shape of his head. So apparently he fell from a tree when he was younger. So his head was oh, like yeah. a, a weird shape. PSA to everyone out there. Please don't make fun of people for their physical features. <laughs> this is thing I saw somewhere. And it was like, if a person can't change it in five minutes, don't comment on it. Mm. So for example, if someone has like a a vegetable in between your their teeth you can like sort of tell them nicely that there's a vegetable between your teeth but for example like someone has an odd shaped head like high neck you don't comment on it like bro like just don't 
Mm. Or if yeah. you have a giant pimple in the middle of your face. Yeah, <laughs> if you have like acne. I know it's there. Don't say it. <laughs> precisely, like, don't point it out, man. Or and if you're not sure if you should point it out or not, just don't. Or like, calmly, quietly whisper it privately to the person. Okay. Anyway, back to Heinick and his odd shaped head. Um, so even though he he was sort of a loner in school, he he actually did really well academically. So he had an IQ of 148. Oh, wow. Yeah, and he actually did really well in school. So eventually, with the encouragement of his father, he joined the Staunton Military Academy at the mm-hmm. age of 14. However, he left after two years before graduating. And then he would go to high school, but then drop out and join the military at the age of 17. Hmm. Um, he performed really well in the army or basically he performed really well while he was in the army because he was only there for like 13 months so about a year he tried applying for the military police after but he was rejected and then he was eventually sent to San Antonio, Texas to train as a medic and no surprise he did really well there as well so in August 1962, he began to complain of dizziness, headaches, blurred vision, and he was um, diagnosed with gastroenteritis. Um, mm. But the doctor was like, hey, hey, this guy is showing some symptoms of mental illness as well. Hmm. Hmm. Then in October of the same year, he was transferred to a military hospital in Philadelphia where he was diagnosed with schizoid personality disorder. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) After leaving the military, he became a nurse and enrolled at the University of Pennsylvania. But he dropped out after one semester. He also worked as, um, as a nurse at a veteran's hospital, but he was fired because he was really shitty to the patients there and he was like skipping work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In 1971, Heidnik had a revelation that he would start his own church. Oh, wow. <laughs> so he basically started one. He began a church by the name of the United Church of the Ministers of God, which totally doesn't sound like a cult. <laughs> and he referred to himself as Bishop Heidnik. In 1975, he opened an account in the church's name and essentially, over 12 years, managed to earn over $500,000. But at the same time, he was also in and out of mental hospitals. Mm. Now, (laughs) Now we jump back to the night um, Josefina Rivera got into his car. So, after so Heine basically brought her back to his house and then they did the do. And after she was done, she got up to get dressed. But as she was putting on her clothes, Heinick came up behind her and he wrapped his fingers around her neck and began to choke her. So Josephina clearly petrified. She mm. begged him to stop. And she was even telling him like um that she was willing to do anything just for him to stop. And so he did. He actually stopped. But what he did was he locked her wrists in handcuffs and then led her through the kitchen and to the basement. 
um, he dragged her to a dirty mattress and then he put her ankles in metal clamps before connecting it to a metal chain. He then applied glue to the clamps and dried it with a hairdryer to reinforce it. So made it in a way where she couldn't break out of her restraints. So mm. even if Josefina tried to escape, she like she wouldn't be able to. He then told her to sit up. And this is where it gets pretty weird, okay? So he told her to sit up. And when she did, Heine actually laid his head on her lap and he fell asleep. Oh, oh, oh no. Yeah. So the room, the basement was basically described to be like very dark because there was barely any light entering the the room. Because what Heidnik had done was he actually boarded up the windows. So there's only like a little bit of sunlight coming through the window. Um, Mm. The walls and floor was made of concrete and there was a chest freezer, a washer dryer and an old pool table. Uh, But the scariest thing, the most terrifying thing about this room was the fact that in a corner there was um, part of the concrete floor that was removed and underneath, there was a shallow pit that was dug into the ground. Oh, like a grave. Like a grave. But um, you will see what that pit was used for, ultimately. Mm. So Heining also gave Josefina food, but she was terrified that the food was poisoned and actually refused to eat it. Um... And then afterwards, Heidnik came back into the basement with tools in order to deepen the hole. And while digging, he basically told Josefina that he wanted a large family. Now, oh. Heidnik actually fathered children with four different women. One of them had actually been his legally married wife named Betty Disto. And Betty Disto came from the Philippines. So what happened was um, Heinick and Betty actually met through a matchmaking service in 1983. And he had a very simple criteria. Apparently, he wanted an oriental virgin. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, after two years of, uh, I guess, online dating, she finally came to America and they got married. But the marriage wasn't so rosy. So um, one of the accounts actually said that when Betty first came to America, like mm. she actually caught like a woman, a black woman. So a black woman? Yeah. In um, Heidnik's bed. Mm. But Heidnik went to say that, oh, you know, she's like a tenant. She's just there. So Betty like sort of ignored those red flags and still married him. But after they got married, um, he would he would cheat on her. So Betty literally would catch him with like other women in his bed. Like that's mm. one she caught him with three women in, in in his bed, and he would also force her to watch him have sex with other women, and he would rape oh. and assault her. And yeah, so she endured all of this, and eventually in 1986, um, Betty, with the help of the Filipino community in Philadelphia mm. managed to escape the situation. But <laughs> the funny thing was they managed to do it in such a covert way that Heinick didn't even know that she left him until like <laughs> she sent him child support payments. So like, oh, you go, oh, Betty. <laughs> yeah. So 
essentially Heidnik's plan was to impregnate 10 women and to raise a family. And <sighs> this is the like like the saddest thing about this case is the fact that there were several instances in which um, if people had stepped in or like just gone a bit further, like these women that Heidnik kidnapped would have been released much earlier. And um, because after Heidnik basically told this master plan of like, hey, I want to impregnate 10 women and have like a family or whatever, Heidnik... Um, he okay. So one, he demanded sex from Josephina, and then he went upstairs. And now that Josephina was alone, she actually managed to loosen one of the ankle clamps, and um, she managed to loosen a bit of the board that was like nailed to the window, and lift mm-hmm. herself halfway through it. So she was almost out of the house, but because um she was still basically restrained. She still had handcuffs and everything, right? She couldn't go all the way out of the window. Mm. But Josephina, she took this opportunity and she just started screaming for help. So she was screaming and screaming and screaming. But the, the like the saddest thing is the fact that this neighborhood, people in the neighborhood were very accustomed to screaming. So no one like bat an eye to her screaming. And the only one who heard it was Heidnik. Oh, so hearing her screams, oh. he dragged her back into the basement and he began to beat her with a stick until she stopped making any sound. He then shoved her into that pit he was digging. He pushed her head against the chest. So just, just imagine, just press your chin to your chest, okay? So that position. And then he like stacked weights on the back of her head. Oh, so she was in that like head tilted position and in order to prevent anyone from suspecting anything right he started to play very loud hard rock music so even if the girls screamed no one would be Mm. able to hear so that was Josephina the next day Heinick returned with another woman and this one, this story is so sad because... Okay, you will find out. So, basically, Heine brings another girl. And just like Josefina... Okay, I didn't mention this before, but just like Josefina, this girl was also black. So, Josefina was black as well. Mm. Um, this girl was only clad in her blouse and she was also chained to the wall. So, the girl would turn out to be 24... 24... 24-year-old Sandra Lindsay. Heinick introduced her as Sandy, but later she would like tell um, Josefina that her name was Sandra. But the thing that Josefina found like strange about this girl was the fact that this girl seemed like quite out of it, like quite oblivious and unconcerned about what was happening to her. Mm-hmm. And it was basically because Sandra was mentally handicapped. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, Sandra actually had known Heidnik before, which is why it was so easy for him to take her. So, he knew, mm. so she knew Heidnik and she used to have like a sexual relationship with him. And at one point, she actually got pregnant, but she had an abortion and Heidnik actually offered to pay her like $1,000 to give him a child. Oh. Yeah. 
So essentially, that's why he kidnapped her and brought her to his basement. And Heidnik would basically come to the basement, give them food, dig the hole, have sex with the women, and then he'll leave. At one point, <laughs> this is also like, oh dear God. Okay. At one point, Sandra's sister and cousin actually turned up at his house in search of her. Oh. But they left because they thought no one was home. And mm. Heidnik even made her write a letter to her mother saying that she had run away. And because Sandra was mentally handicapped, she did as he asked without a question. Mm. Okay. Mm. And if the girls tried to call for help, Heidnik would essentially punish them. He would either beat them, put them in the hole, or he would hang them from the ceiling. The ceiling had like these beams. He would hang them from the ceiling by one of their arms for hours. Mm. Oh, and all the while this was happening, Sandra's mother was actively searching for her. In fact, okay, in fact, Sandra's mother even told the police that she believed that a man named Gary took her daughter and she gave them Heidnik's address and phone number. She gave them everything about him. But the only problem was that she didn't know his surname. Ugh. So the police would go to Heidnik's house, but he wouldn't answer. Mm-hmm. And... Eventually, Sandra received that letter that Heidnik made um, Sandra write. And because the letter stated that she ran away, the police basically began to believe that Sandra did run away. Okay. Yeah. And eventually, the police found one of Heidnik's friends, um, a man named Tony Brown. And basically, Tony was like, hey, hey, I don't know where she is. (laughs) And... When the police were like, all right, can you like give us like Gary's full name? So Tony gave him, gave them Gary's full name. But here's the thing. He misspelled Gary's last name. (laughs) So Uh. instead of like H-E-I-D-N-I-K Heidnik, he wrote H-E-I-D-A-K-E. Heidnik? Heidnike? I don't know. So, like, the police were like, okay, we can't find this dude. So they dropped the investigation. I don't know. Why don't they try other, like, similar names? I don't know. Okay, so if anyone... Okay, so on Netflix, right? There's that documentary about the Yorkshire Ripper. Yeah, it's the same bullshit that happened. Like, the police basically made all these mistakes... And, like, the killer could have been caught, like, a lot quicker. Mm. Oh, my goodness. I was like, what kind of... What kind of, like, police work is this? It's so bad. Mm -hmm. And, like, I I think even saying that, oh, this was, like, the 80s. Like, it was the late 80s. Like, I don't think it should be an excuse. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's it's just really sad how there were so many missed opportunities um, to actually find Josefina and Sandra in this case. Mm-hmm. And because the police, like, 
essentially they didn't find them so they didn't find Heidnik like more girls ended up being kidnapped so Heidnik's next victim he brought in three days before Christmas so 19 year old Lisa Thomas was essentially on her way to her friend's house to pick up something when Heidnik stopped by and asked her for her services. So Heidnik thought that she was a sex worker as well. Now, Lisa was not a sex worker and she was very offended by it. But Heidnik, like, he immediately apologized and then he was like, okay, um, I'm so sorry, but could I at least, like, drop you off at your friend's house? So Lisa was like... Mm-hmm. I mean, this guy, he apologized, you know, seems like a decent dude. He also has, like, this sick car, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so he, so she got, so she got in the car. He drove her to her friend's house. Um, She went and she picked up whatever she needed to pick up. And then, like, Heinick just waited for her and she came out and she got back into the car. And then Heinick was like... Hey, do you want to eat something? And Lisa was like, Yeah, sure, man. Like, let's what? go eat something. Okay. <laughs> and so they went to the restaurant and, and they got some food and they were eating. And then Heidnik was like, Do you want to go to Atlantic City with me tomorrow? And like <laughs> at this point, um, I guess there should be like red flags. But Lisa didn't suspect anything. So she she actually said like her reason why she didn't want to go to Atlantic City was because she had nothing to wear. Okay. <laughs> wow, my throat is so dry. <laughs> so anyway, Lisa said that she had nothing to wear. So Heinick basically produces a $50 note and he's like, okay, well, I can just buy you clothes. Uh... So they went and got some clothes and after they were done shopping, he brought her to his house. And then mm-hmm. he gave her some wine and he put on a movie. Now, Lisa had actually been taking some allergy medication. And rule number one, everyone, if you're on medication, don't please never drink. Mm-hmm. So the combination of her medication and the wine basically made her very drowsy. Mm. And she eventually fell asleep. When she finally awoke, um, she was still like in a drowsy state. She realized that Heidnik had actually undressed her. But before she could uh. do anything, like before she could like, you know, stop or whatever, he took her to his room and essentially assaulted her. Okay. Mm. And then in a very creepy echo of Josefina's attack, as Lisa was getting dressed, he choked her. Let go and handcuffed them. He then brought her to the basement to introduce her to his two other friends, who were essentially Josefina and Sandra. Mm. And then on January 2nd, 1987, Heinick brought 23 year old Deborah Dudley. So here's the thing with Deborah, okay? Deborah was. A fighter like she was not going to back down she was going to keep fighting until the end and so Deborah I don't know where she finds this kind of guts but she would antagonize Heidnik she would antagonize <laughs> him she would challenge him and this obviously resulted in her getting severely punished so he would like beat the shit out of her for it mm. 
And the thing was, the more she retaliated, mm. the more she put the other girls at risk. Because every time she fought back, he would punish mm-hmm. all the girls. And this punishment was quite regular. So Heidnik would regularly beat the girls. But on top of that, he would appoint one of the girls to be in charge when he was out. And this was to ensure that none of them tried to escape. So if mm. anyone did try to escape or they misbehaved in any way, the girl in charge was supposed to beat them and discipline them. Mm-hmm. And eventually, when Heinick returned, he basically um, he expected a report from the girl in charge. And if he found that the girl in charge didn't adequately discipline the misbehaving girl, he would beat them. But if he came back and the girl in charge said that there was nothing to report, he would still beat them. So there was no way for these girls to like get away from it. Either way, he was going to, you know, physically hurt them. And interestingly, after he brought in Deborah, his sexual appetite actually began to change. So he was no longer sated by just simply having sex with the girls. So he made them have sex with each other while he watched. Okay. And yeah, and this would be a daily occurrence. Mm. And Heinick didn't care about personal hygiene. Like he didn't care about the girls' hygiene at all. And mm-hmm. but later on he provided them with like a portable toilet and baby wipes. And then much later he allowed them to have showers but he would force them to have sex afterwards so after they took a shower he would make them have sex for food oh dear god for food it really depended on his mood so some days it would be literally like bare bones like bread and water Mm. other days maybe like a like a peanut butter sandwich that kind of thing so for the food situation he finally figured out a solution. Do you want to make a guess what the solution could be? In regards to pets. Oh, dog food? Yep. Ew. Yep. And the thing is, um, when the girls refused to eat the dog food, he basically beat them until they did. <sighs> and... Another interesting thing was happening around this time. So Josephina began to show she began to show like extreme loyalty to Heidnik. She would tell him that he that she basically enjoyed being one of his wives and this put her in his good graces. Was she legit? You'll find out later. <laughs> You'll find out. And then on January 18 he brought in 18 year old 18 year old Jacqueline Askins. So Jacqueline was also a sex worker and that's how he picked her up. The thing is, Jacqueline was so small that he couldn't use the same like shackles that he used on the other girls. So he had to use handcuffs on her instead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like here's the here's the shocking thing that happened, okay? So on January 18th, the day he kidnapped Jacqueline. Heinick brought Chinese food and champagne for the girls. Uh, 
Okay. You know why? Because it was Josephina's birthday. Oh, okay. It was his favorite birthday. Mm. And Josephina would later go on to say that she believed that he was in this like celebratory mood because he believed that she was pregnant. Oh, she was not. <laughs> But um, this quote, unquote, joyous occasion, this joyous mood was obviously not going to last for very long. Mm-hmm. Because in February. Heinick caught Sandra trying to move the wooden board that was covering the window. And mm. to punish her, he hung her from an overhead beam. Remember I was saying the basement had these beams? Hung her from mm-hmm. an overhead beam with a single handcuff around her wrist for a few days. What the hell? Yeah, this is where the story gets... Ooh, this is where the story gets even darker. So, like, really hang in there, everyone. Um, Heinick believed that Sandra was pregnant, so he tried to feed her. Mm-hmm. Um, but she refused to eat. And because of this, like, her condition began to deteriorate rapidly. Mm-hmm. By the end of the week, she was vomiting and having... And running a very high fever. Still, Heidnik would force feed her. So he would shove food into her mouth. And then like physically clamp her mouth shut. And force her to swallow. And eventually, Sandra lost consciousness. He got... He was furious when she didn't wake up. So he he literally like dropped her. Like dropped her. And then... He believed that she was faking her her unconsciousness. So he kicked her into the pit. He left her there while he gave ice cream to the other girls. Oh, what? Okay. Yeah. Heinick left, returned, but Sandra had already passed. <sighs> so... Oh, this part is so hard to say. Oh my god. Oh, I'm having like a physical reaction to this. It's just... <clears throat> so what Heine did was, he took her body upstairs and he dismembered it with a saw. Okay. And um, Josephina basically said that one of his dogs ran back down with... um. A meaty bone in its mouth and began to eat it in front of the girls. Oh my god. So this is what Heidnik did with Sandra's body. Um, he bought a food processor and ground oh, no. up Sandra's body. He mixed it with dog food and fed it both to the dogs and the girls. Oh, To dispose the remaining body parts, he cooked them on a stove. Uh. And naturally, this caused a terrible smell. Um, One of our early episodes was the Hello Kitty murder. I remember we were talking about like putting body parts in like soaps and stuff. Yeah, it causes a really <laughs> bad smell. Um, So finally, finally his neighbors were like, holy shit, this house <laughs> stinks. So they called the authorities... And they were like, mm-hmm. 
I think y'all better check out this house. It smells literally like death in here. So authorities came to his house. And you know what Heidnik told them? What? He said he burnt his roast, which is what caused the smell. And guess what? Uh, the authorities believed him. They were like, all right, I guess that makes sense. Why? Heinrich basically became paranoid after Sandra's death and he made the girls snitch on each other. He told them that if they did, he would give them better conditions. Mm. He also prevented them from escaping when he left the house by cuffing the girls' hands and feet and ha- and hanging them from over from the overhead beam. He also gagged them to prevent them from screaming. Mm. Ooh, okay, this part is also very difficult. Um, but he he took different sized screwdrivers and he essentially stabbed them into the girls' ears. Oh, yeah, in an attempt to deafen them. So his logic was. If they couldn't hear, they would not be able to hear him enter the room, which would, you know, force them to be on their best behavior. Uh. So, Heinick actually did this to all the girls except for Josefina because she was his favorite. And at one point, Deborah began to fight back against Heinick. So, he took her upstairs. And showed her Sandra's head simmering in a pot. Oh no. He then showed her the oven in which Sandra's ribs were roasting. (sighs) Finally, he showed her the fridge that contained Sandra's arm and body parts. And then he basically told her that if she didn't listen to him, she would end up the same way. So Deborah... Obviously, was very shaken at first. But I'm telling you, okay, this girl had guts because several days later, she was at it again. She was back to fighting against Heidnik. She was back to defying him. And this led Heidnik to come up with a new form of punishment, electrocution. So he um, he would hold exposed wires against the girls' chain and he would basically like get a lot of pleasure from watching them sort of like writhe from the electric currents running through the metal cups and as time went by um, Heidnik treated Josefina more as a partner than his captive so he was so he so um, he would allow Josefina to join him when he punished the girls Mm. Yeah, so she would be an active participant in these beatings and punishments. And the thing is, Josefina was exempt from it. Mm-hmm. And um, Heidnik would also spend a lot of time with Josefina. Um, and then on... Okay, wow. Okay, This one is also like... Oh. <laughs> so on March 18... Um, he decided to punish the girls. I mean, he does that every day. This time with Josephina's help. So, instead of his usual punishments, he was going to electrocute them. This time with water. So, he got Josephina uh. to fill the pit with water. And then the three remaining girls were pushed into the pit 
and then a wooden cover with small holes that was drilled into it was placed over the pit and then um the cover was held down with bags of dirt then um an exposed wire was slipped into one of the holes until it touched the chains attached the girls so the first attempt was mm-hmm. more to be like a like an appetizer you know like an appetizer shock so she's a little jolt mm-hmm. but the next time um it was pressed against deborah's chains and deborah absorbed most of the current so it electrocuted and killed them and basically the two other girls Jacqueline and Lisa basically watched this girl die in front of their eyes so they watched her get electrocuted and just like mm. slump forward in the water so they began to scream and Heidnik removed the cover and afterwards he made sandwiches for the girls and then he told them aren't you glad it wasn't one of you Ugh, what the hell Heidnik also gave Josefina a paper in which like it was like written that like hey I was also complicit in this and then he made her sign it and what his plan was is that if jo- Josefina under any circumstance or whatever let's just say like she escapes or whatever and she goes to the cops he could mm-hmm. use that piece of paper to say like yeah she she was complicit in the murder of Deborah Debbie as he called her so it's a fear tactic to manipulate her mm. but at this point like Heidnik was actually convinced that Josefina was entirely loyal to him so he removed <laughs> the chains and sent her upstairs to change and like this was like the first time she was changing clothes in like over four months and it was very strange because Josefina became so close to Heidnik that he would take her out to restaurants and even shopping. Oh, okay, wow. He also sort of became nicer to the girls, so he gave them like pillows, blankets, mattresses. He even like installed a TV. And Josefina eventually also helped Heidnik bury Deborah's body. Mm. Now, Heidnik's final victim was 24-year-old Agnes Adams. So Heidnik had actually approached her twice because she was a sex worker, but he didn't kidnap her both times. And then finally on March 23rd, Heidnik brought her to his home, paid her for her services, and then he chained her like the others. But and let me tell you, okay, um this part <laughs> of the story was so I, I guess awe-inspiring. I was like, holy shit when I read it. Okay, so here's the thing. But remember this entire time, Josefina was like, man, Heidnik, I love being your wife. I love you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when I was reading that at first, I was like, wow, Stockholm Syndrome. Mm-hmm. But Josefina had been plotting this entire time. Mm. So she, what she did was she went to Heidnik and she managed to convince him that she could bring him another wife if he let her see her family. Mm. 
So after wow, okay. so after days of convincing him, Heinick was like, "Yeah, you know what? I do want another <laughs> wife." So he was very eager f- to expand his family. So he was like, "You know what? Yeah, sure, you can go see your family," because he was once again very convinced mm-hmm. that Josephina was entirely loyal to him. Mm. So he was like, "Okay, I will bring you, but on one condition: you have to pick up the woman, the the, the next bride." And meet me at the gas station near your house. So Josephina was like, yeah, sure, okay, I'll do that. So what Heinick did was he drove her to her house, dropped mm-hmm. her off, and then he drove to the gas station. Immediately, Josephina ran, like, full-on, like, Usain Bolt, like, sprinted to her house, and her boyfriend opened the door, and then she was mm. like, she unleashed everything. She told him everything that happened. And then... But the thing is, right, her story was so crazy, so out of this world, that her boyfriend was like, bro, are you okay? And mm. she was like, no, you need to call the cops. But her boyfriend was like, okay, I want to go see this Heidnik person. And Josephina basically, like, she freaked out because... Um, if he went to the house, he could potentially put the other girls at risk. Mm-hmm. So she finally managed to convince him to call the cops. And then a while later, um, the police arrived. So she did the same mm-hmm. thing. She told them the story and they were like, okay, this is like a bit out of the world. You you seem a bit like, like loose in the head. Like, girl, what's going on? So what she did was she showed her ankles which had like the the marks made by the the cuffs and mm-hmm. then the police were like oh shit like this is serious so Heinick was then arrested at the gas station and the girls were rescued after four months of captivity and torture but here's <sighs> the thing when the police went to arrest Heinick right um, he was like, oh, is this about child support payments? <laughs> yeah. In his house, the police discovered a pot on the stove, which was badly scorched and contained oh, no. a yellow, yellowy, fatty substance. Oh, no. They also found a dish that contained a charred piece of human bone. And when an officer opened Mm. the fridge, he found a human forearm. Oh, no. Yeah. They also found a ton of porn, all of which centered around black women. Hmm. So, the thing with Heidnik was, this was not the first time he had a run-in with the law. In 1976, he was charged with aggravated assault and for carrying an unlicensed pistol. Basically, he shot at a tenant and, like, the bullet grazed the tenant's face. Oh, wow. Lucky. Yeah. <laughs> oh. In 1978, Heidnik actually abducted, raped, and sodomized the sister of his then-girlfriend. And here's the thing. The girlfriend's sister was also mentally handicapped. She was also mentally disabled. <sighs> but the sentence was overturned in an appeal and he spent three years of his sentence in mental institutions before being released. 
Hmm. You know how I said um, he he like started his own church. So in oh, like yeah. this interview, like Josephina basically says, like yeah, he would have these services upstairs, and we would be downstairs chained up. It's just <sighs> so sad. Yeah. Oh, during his trial, Heidnik claimed that the women were already in the house. Mm, sure. What? Okay. His defense obviously tried to argue. Say it with me. They tried to argue insanity. However, <sighs> of course. However, remember that like five hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, um. The way he invested the money clearly showed that he was of sound mind and he was able to like <laughs> comprehend all these things. And furthermore, Josefina would go on to say that he would tell her that if the police caught him, he would just try to like he would just pretend to be insane and that he'll be able to evade them. So he mm. had planned all of this beforehand. Of course. The most damning evidence was the victims themselves. So all four women provided detailed accounts of what happened. Josefina even admitted to what she had done to Deborah and to the girls. However, drama, because Lisa said that Josefina was a willing partner to Heidnik. So she basically mm, asserted okay. that um, that Josefina was doing all of this because, like, she, like, I guess, deep down, also had like sick satisfaction. But um, Jacqueline would come out to say that she believed that Josefina was essentially forced to do those things because her own life was at stake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if I'm not wrong, I could be wrong because I didn't really watch the thing. I was like skimming through the oxygen. Um, documentary but Josefina and I think Jacqueline meet up for the first time in like a long 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 while and like Jacqueline basically was just saying that you know you didn't have to go that far in like the punishments and stuff and Josefina was basically explaining that her actions were basically from like a place of survival and a place of like maybe it's skewed in a way but she was trying to protect the girls she didn't want them to be uh-huh. even more like tortured and stuff like that yeah so I mean I can hmm. understand from the position of the other girls as well it's yeah. it's it's difficult in a situation like this because on one hand Josefina was the reason why they managed to escape yeah but on the other hand like she was also you know doing these things that like harm them mm. yeah so finally on July 1st 1988 with a ju- jury 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 <laughs> of six white people and six black people Gary Michael Heitnick was sentenced to death he was incarcerated at the state correctional institution at Pittsburgh each victim received a $30,000 settlement, which I think is 
so bullshit and so little. Yes, so little. So little. Heineck would then wait 11 long years before finally being executed via lethal injection on July 6, 1999 at 10.29pm. Today, Jacqueline, Agnes and Lisa um, suffer from various levels of hearing impairments with... Um, yeah... Uh, and with Josefina, they have had civil proceedings to access Heidnik's funds. You know that five hundred thousand dollars. Okay. Yeah. So Josefina, remember she had three children at the time of the kidnapping. Has now uh-huh. reunited with them. She lives with her husband and loves walking along the beach. She is still in counseling and suffers from panic attacks. Hmm. Jacqueline lives in Philadelphia where she cleans houses. She's very close to her sons. She's on medication for anxiety and PTSD. And she suffers from intense flashbacks and can't enter basements until today. Mm. Yeah. So that is the story of Gary Heidnick. But more importantly, the story of survival by Josefina... Lisa, Jacqueline, and Agnes. Thank you. <laughs> clap, clap, clap. Thank you. My throat is especially parched, and it is very long episode. <laughs> and it's very infuriating that and nothing was done by the police until like one of them had to like escape. Yeah, and there were so many chances in which... Um, there's this one interview where, like, Sandra's mom literally says, like, if they had listened to me, my daughter would have been alive. And she was, I mean, like, admittedly enraged. And, like, she was correct to be enraged because yeah. she literally gave them everything. And they didn't even... It's just, it's just so sad. And... Oof. I mean... I think one of the things that also plays a big part in this is also the jobs of some of these girls. They were sex workers. And the other thing is mm. the fact that these girls were black women. Mm. Yeah. So. I forgot what I watched, but another thing I watched also talked about how when black kids go missing, there, there isn't really a search for them. Holy shit. <sighs> yeah, so they're, they're just silently missing. Yeah, like with like minimal effort to find them. Yeah, and that's it's a it's a lot of the same thing with a lot of crimes against black people. Like they tend to be dismissed, you know, or not believed, or, or like believed, they think yeah. they're exaggerating. Yeah, or or immediately assume they ran away or it's gang activities or just kind of like drugs. Yes, yeah. drugs. Yeah, it's just it's just so sad because like. For four months, these girls were tortured, and mm. like there were three times where they could have been saved. Mm. Oof, it's a big one. It's a scary one. Oh God! <sighs> When you lose faith in humanity, <laughs> I know it's uh, it's back to that that thing we we always talk about. It's like you cannot. It's very hard to to believe like these things happen in real life 
Oh yes, yeah. also I forgot to say but um Gary Heitnick was actually the inspiration for Buffalo Bill in Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> so in Buffalo Bill, um it's this dude who basically like kidnaps and kills women as well. But I thought wait, isn't Buffalo Bill like also skins them and then like Yep. He skins the skin? them because yeah, okay, but Buffalo Bill is like a whole other thing. But yeah, yeah I but I think there's other killers who also inspire Buffalo Bill. Yeah. Like, uh, there is another person who Ed did Gein. skin and wear. Edgeen. Yeah. Good old Edgeen. And his skin furniture. We will cover him one day. Edgeen is interesting. But yeah. Mm. Yeah, this case was very hard to like research especially um what happened to sandra mm. she really didn't deserve to die that way yeah yeah and um josephina in i think the oxygen documentary she also mentions like if sandra hadn't died and she hadn't eaten sandra like she wouldn't be here it's just it's so sad mm. yeah it is yeah. Whoa! <laughs> Heavy episode. <laughs> Honda, how are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I'll think about it when I sleep. Oh no! Hopefully, it doesn't appear in my dreams. <laughs> oh no! Okay, yeah. Um. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this long episode. If you enjoyed this episode and want to support us, please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review, and click that follow button on Spotify. You can also listen to us on Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Amazon, and whatever podcast platform you listen to. And you can follow us on Instagram at Podcast. Share us a message or send us a story if you'd like. You can also email us at hiddenamongustree at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to this episode and we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Adios, amigos. Yes, please don't get into random strangers' cars. <laughs> Stranger danger. You know what I used to you know what I used to do? Like sometimes when I feel very like insecure, I feel like somebody might be following me or whatever. I always take out my phone and like I always have um like the number keypad thing ready in case uh, I need to dial 999 I mean isn't there like an emergency option when you try and dial yeah there's that also this is an emergency option but another cool thing you can do is also like to pretend you're on the phone and yeah 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 pretend you are talking to a guy mm, yeah I did that before I scared the person off yeah most important is to talk to a guy and like mention about meeting them there's also the other thing about you know like if you see a passerby like go up to them for help Mm. if you feel unsafe you feel somebody is like following you like it's okay to be an asshole to that person yeah it really is okay